Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Jesus is not talking about truth in a general sense here. He's talking about truth very specifically. He's talking about the truth of who God is and of who humanity is. This is the truth that Jesus came to testify to. Basically, to tell us and show us, number one, what human beings were intended to be, and number two, who God truly is. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of John, Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on John chapter 18, verse 28, through chapter 19, verse 16, in a message titled, Jesus and the Truth. Now, here's Pastor Brian. I want to do two things this morning. I want to kind of walk through some of the, just, I don't know, some of the key points really quickly five of them and just and just touch on them and then i'm i want to land at a specific place and we'll spend hopefully the majority of our time kind of looking at the answer to the question what is truth and looking at jesus actually being he is the truth so so we come now, as, as we've seen, we come now to Jesus standing before Pontius Pilate. In our last time together, we looked at the trial of Jesus with the, the high priest. We talked about how there were two high priests. There was Annas and Caiaphas. And, and John tells us about what happened between Jesus and Annas. He doesn't say anything about what transpired with Caiaphas. John skips over that. And now he moves to Jesus before Pilate. And John has his gospel, like it is in so many different areas, is unique. None of the other gospel writers record the things that John is going to hear record about this trial of Jesus before Pilate. And it's interesting. One writer suggested that perhaps John was even there inside when the trial was taking place because the Jews were invited into this. They, they sent Jesus to Pilate, but they didn't go in. And this will be our first point. They didn't go into the palace of the governor because they did not want to be defiled. They wanted to make sure they were clean in order to participate in the Passover feast. So that, that was their reason for not going in. Like I said, that one writer suggested, well, John wouldn't have had those scruples. So John himself, maybe John was actually in the proceedings as Jesus was standing before Pilate. Because like I said, he gives details and information that no one else gives. But let's just think about that for a moment. So verses 28 and 29, the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. Just a quick point. This, it just shows you how 
detached from reality these guys were and how compartmentalized everything you know, in their mental process was. One person said this, it is a curious commentary on human nature that they were scrupulous about contracting a defilement that would keep them from keeping the feast, but they were not at all concerned about taking part in an act of judicial murder. This is the craziness of people in sin. They can just compartmentalize all of this. So they're so concerned that they would be defiled by going into the house of a Gentile. That's what the issue was here. Pilate was a Gentile. And so they didn't want any of that contamination. But the fact that they're about to kill the Son of God, that doesn't phase them. That, that has, so it just, it just kind of reminds us of how twisted we are as human beings, and especially those who are entrenched in sin and against the Lord. So then we see that as they come to Pilate, and th- this is a point that it kind of struck me in reading over the text. I don't know that I even realized this until... <laughs> literally yesterday, but look in verses 31 and 32, because it's, it's really interesting what it says. So, you know, they, they bring Jesus, they came and they, Pilate says, you know, what charges are you bringing against this man? They say, you know, if he were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Now, just a quick side note, the Jewish leaders and Pilate, they were, they hated each other. They were absolutely hostile toward one another. Pilate, you know, most of the uh, provincial Roman leaders, the governors, you know, the idea was that you go into a a community, wherever it was, and you try to work with the people and you try to have a peaceful thing. Pilate just did not do that at all. He went out of his way to provoke the Jewish leaders And some suggest that he had even been reprimanded by Rome for this. So they're coming to this man, Pilate, who they absolutely hate, but they need him for this reason. So they said, if he weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place, so this is the key. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Now, here's another thing I want us to see just about the, the corruption of these leaders. It's debatable among scholars as to whether the Jews could exercise the, the death penalty, capital punishment. Some people say they couldn't. Some people say they could. The text implies that they couldn't, but it seems like it was to a certain degree. It seems like they could exercise it in regard to stoning a person. And and we see that in Scripture. We see that Stephen was stoned by the permission of this same group of people. But here's what they could not do. They could not crucify someone. And of course, crucifixion was, it was Rome's way of dealing 
with someone, but they are coming and they don't even want to stone Jesus, although they've attempted to do that on a couple of occasions already. They want him crucified. And if you think about that, just in the sense that, you know, the Jews collectively, generally, of course, they hated the Romans. The Romans were the oppressors. And no Jewish person would ever want to see another Jewish person be treated like that by the Romans. But these guys, they want this. They want Rome to execute Jesus in the sense that they want him crucified. And we know that's what they are asking for because John tells us that this took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he would die. Jesus had said in in kind of veiled terms that he would die by crucifixion. Back in the 12th chapter, he said, I, if I am lifted up, lifted up is a reference to crucifixion. I, if I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. And all the way back in the third chapter, verse 14, um, Jesus had said this, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of man will be lifted up. So Jesus is prophesying that he's going to be crucified. The Jews have no power to crucify him, but they want him crucified. So here's the question. Why did the high priest want him crucified? Why not just permission to take him out and stone him? And this is the reason. The law had said, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. And the high priest wanted to show publicly that Jesus was cursed by God. He was not the Messiah of God. He was not the Savior that he was claiming to be. No, he was under God's curse. That was their motive for seeking crucifixion. It's unbelievable, really, when you think of the, just the whole psychology and everything that's going on at this moment. Now, in verse 36, just look there with me real quickly. So, you know, Pilate asked Jesus in verse 33, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus says, is this your idea or did others talk to you about me? Pilate says, am I a Jew? You know, Pilate's, he's being sarcastic here. He says, your own people and the chief priest handed you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So as we read the story, Jesus never directly answers the question, are you the king of the Jews? And then he goes on and he says, he says to Pilate, he says, well, that's what you've said. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to trap Jesus. If Jesus says he's a king right out, then he's rising up in an insurrection against Caesar. So Jesus never plays into that. But he doesn't deny that he has a kingdom. But he says that my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. But now my kingdom is is not from here. So he does have a kingdom. He is a king, but his kingdom is not of this world. Now, the kingdom of God has come through the coming of Jesus, 
But it didn't come in its fullest sense. We are part of the kingdom. We are, we are subjects of the king. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We and every other Christian on earth. But of course, the kingdom in its totality, we all know, obviously, it hasn't come yet. But it will come. It will come. So the kingdom... Uh, Sometimes it's said like this, the kingdom is already, but not yet. So it's already here in one manifestation, but it's not fully here because we know from the book of Revelation chapter 11 that there comes a point in history when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And that is, of course, what we are all waiting for. Now, over in uh, chapter 19, verse 5, so Pilate, as he's going back and forth with them, and, and we see that Pilate, as, as we saw in the story, Pilate is conflicted because, as we've already seen, he doesn't want to do these guys any favors. He, he can't stand these guys. But they're, they're kind of putting him in a tough place because they're basically saying, hey, unless you do what we want you to do, you're not a friend of Caesar. And the last thing Pilate wants to do is not be a friend of Caesar. He doesn't want to fall out with Caesar. So he takes Jesus, as we read here in chapter 19, he took Jesus and he had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe. And went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. And so Pilate then came out to them again. And he said to them, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. And verse 5, When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man, or, or behold the man. Now, people wonder, what, what was Pilate trying to do here? Some think Pilate was trying to elicit some compassion. Look, look at this poor man here. Look at, look at what, you know, he's been beaten. He's crowned with these thorns. He's been mocked, all of this. You know, can you have a little bit of compassion? It, it, can this be enough? Some people think that Pilate is saying that. Other people think that Pilate is, by bringing Jesus out in this, you know, dressed as a king by the Romans, that he's making a mockery of their accusation against Jesus. <laughs> this is your king? You're trying to tell me that this guy right here is raising an insurrection against Rome, that I should be concerned about this person, that he might in some way, shape, or form rise up against Caesar. And so in that sense, Pilate is just dismissing this as absurd. We don't know exactly what Pilate was thinking. But they did have him a bit over a barrel, and we see in verse 12 of chapter 19, Pilate was trying to set Jesus free. He's trying to set Jesus free because he knows that this is, this is just politics. This is the, these guys are envious of Jesus. He, he knew that. Again, he 
had no sympathy for them whatsoever. So he's trying to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders keep shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. So this is where they've got Pilate. Pilate, unfortunately, like many people, he is more concerned about maintaining his position And he's more concerned about the favor of Caesar than he is about his standing before God. And so he, when Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out, sat down in the judgment seat in the place known as the stone pavement, and there he passed the sentence Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away. Take him away. Crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. This statement right here, and I won't go into any detail on this. I'm just going to make this statement. This is the explanation for the history of the Jews after this point to this day. They rejected God as their king. And I mean, that was what Judaism was, basically. Judaism was Yahweh is our king. And here are the representatives of the Jewish nation saying, we have no king but Caesar. And the rest of history has been these people having rejected the reign of their God over them, then have been turned over to the various Caesars in the various places that they've gone, and it has never, ever, ever gone well for them throughout all of history. The Jewish people are the most persecuted people in history. And this is the reason. Because they rejected their king and they embraced Caesar as king. Now, that's just what I wanted to kind of, you know, tie, tie the whole story together. But I want to come back to verse 37. And I want us to focus here for just the last portion of our time here. I want us to focus on... Verse 37. So Jesus answered Pilate. Pilate says, you are a king then? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So Jesus says that he has come into the world. Now, notice Jesus says two things. He says, for this reason, I was born, the incarnation, and I have come into the world. There's, there's a little bit of a hint there that Jesus came from somewhere else into the world. Nobody else comes from somewhere else into the world. We all just come into the world. We don't have a pre-existence, right? 
None of us pre-existed. Unless you've imbibed some Mormon doctrine, because <laughs> that's what Mormons teach, that we did all pre-exist as souls. But that's not the biblical teaching. But Jesus did. He pre-existed. And so he came into the world. As Cheryl reminded us in, in her prayer, the king, he stepped down from his throne. And that's what Jesus is just inferring a bit here. For this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. To testify to the truth. And then Pilate, you know, cynically says, what is truth? So when Jesus says, I I came to testify to the truth, what does Jesus mean by that? Well, I think we have to understand it, that he has come to testify to a a very specific truth. Now, he's not come to testify about mathematics or logic or even philosophy, which those are all fine, and, and obviously there are truths to be understood through those lenses. But Jesus is not talking about truth in a general sense here. He's talking about truth very specifically. He's talking about the truth of who God is and of who humanity is. This is the truth that Jesus came to testify to. He came basically to tell us and show us, number one, what human beings were intended to be, and number two, who God truly is and what God is like. Now, what God is like is even more specific because who God truly is, the Jews, of course, believed that Yahweh was God, but they didn't understand Yahweh. They had completely misinterpreted him, and especially the leaders at the time. So we're going to look at these two things. Jesus showed us the truth about what and who we are supposed to be. You know, Paul says this really fascinating thing in one little verse in 1 Corinthians 15, 47. He refers to Jesus as the second man. Now, it's funny because um, in that same passage, he refers to Jesus as the last Adam, and he's comparing and contrasting Jesus with Adam. As in Adam, all people die, so in Christ, everyone will be made alive. But I find a lot of times, even sometimes preachers or commentators, they will refer to Jesus as the second Adam. He's not the second Adam. It doesn't say that. It says he's the second man. What does that mean? Well, what that actually means is that there have only been two and Adam and Eve are, I'm looking at them as one. There have only been two true humans in the history of the world. Humans in the sense of what God intended when he made them. The first was Adam and the second was Jesus. So all other human beings, all of us, because of our sinful condition, are something other and less than what God intended us to be. That's the problem with the world. That's the problem with humanity. 
the month of July, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Is Jesus History? by Dr. John Dixon. Living in an age of science and empirical evidence, how can people still believe in miracles? How can someone believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead? The resurrection of Jesus is essential for the Christian faith. If Jesus never rose from the dead, then an offer for eternal life does not carry any authority. So, is there any historical evidence that can be examined to test the authenticity of such a claim? Dr. John Dixon addresses this very question and examines the ancient evidence as a trained historian. He explains the evidence simply and clearly, so you'll be able to consider the evidence for yourself. If you've ever wondered if there's any historical evidence for the existence of Jesus and His resurrection, then you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book is Jesus History by Dr. John Dixon. It's our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of John. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.